This is Mouth Media Network, the business of being heard. Hi, I'm Lahari Neil Peretti, founder of LN Accounting Advisor, and this is Then What? With another story of a big then what business moment which transformed into real success made possible by real leadership. If you don't start with passion, you can't get to the big deal. They're just too hard to get. August Vega, co-founder of the amazing Malk Organics, the only cold-pressed line of organic plant-based milks made with sprouted nuts and six ingredients or less, has passion that is evident with every fiber of her being. So much so, she sees her company as a kind of second child. And the moment she knew she could only bring it so far, despite how far she had brought it, she asked herself, okay, look at what we have accomplished. So then what? And she knew a new leader was the only way her second child could grow up to be what it needed to be. Coming up, you'll hear how a dairy allergy inspired an opportunity for industry disruption, why COVID presented real obstacles for Malk Organics production, the challenges and rewards of working with family, how an unforeseen business disaster led to the two weeks during which August never thought she'd smile again, thoughts on overcoming burnout and being nimble to innovate quickly, and the importance of Hustle, drive, and blinders. Thank you, August, again, for being on here. Absolutely. Thank Uh, you for having me. Of course. So let's start here. Um, Milk is more than a product. It's a passion. That's the first thing you have to say on the About Us page on your website. How has passion played a role in your ability to navigate from one big deal moment to another in your business? Well, I think um, from my perspective, if you don't start with passion, you can't get to the big deals in some way, shape, or form. You have to have someone in your organization (laughs) that is um, bringing the passion to the table because the big deals are so hard to land and so hard to get that if you're not super passionate about what you're doing, um, it's almost an impossible task. So how did your passion evolve for your company? I was born with a dairy allergy and my parents had very limited options on what to give an infant. And so I was given a ton of soy, which is a completely, that's a whole other topic, which we can talk about (laughs) another day. And so, you know, when I became a mom, my son was tested for the same allergy. It wasn't quite as severe, but he did have a dairy allergy as well. And so Um, when it was time for me to go back to work and start to give him, you know, bottle feeds, um, I started looking into what was available for babies. And I was pretty shocked that like really not a lot had changed. There were different options other than soy, but the process, the amount of ingredients, just the general offerings were pretty much the same, just maybe with a different base, like there was, you know, rice and, um, whatever the formula options were. And so my biggest passion has always been in organic foods. And so I just went on a hunt, like, what am I going to give this child? I don't feel comfortable with anything I'm finding. And there was no Facebook or Instagram 12 years ago, believe it or not, it was very new. (laughs) People were not using it like they are today. 
so I went down this blog of like, I think it was called like the hippie mom or something. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> Found a recipe for homemade almond milks. It was a little bit different from what um, I ended up giving him. I added my own tweaks, but I started making homemade almond milks then and went back to work um, in clean tech. And the flavor profile kind of blew the whole family away. Like my husband was like, can we have enough for us too? Like, this is delicious. Yeah. (laughs) So that's kind of how it started. Um, That was 12 years ago. Um, I went on to go back to work and continued to kind of pursue a career in clean tech, but my passion has always been in food as medicine and organic foods and clean foods. And so even if you're eating something that's considered, you know, like a junk food, like, you know, some kind of crispy taco, that's potentially not bad for you. If you have good ingredients, it makes a big difference. Right. And so um, that principle that fed my family kept driving me. When when I would go to the store, I would look around and I'm like, when is someone going to come out with a truly clean plant-based milk or a milk alternative? And it just never happened. And I knew what it took to make it in my home. And I wasn't super familiar with like food processing or how to commercialize something, but I knew there had to be a way. And so it kind of just blossomed from there. That's amazing. So after you start, you created this product, how did you know you wanted to take it and it to become a business? Well, I created it for my son, obviously. So that was just a family need. And, um, you know, kind of dovetailing into the grocery store, I would walk through a huge advocate, always shopped at Whole Foods um, pretty much my whole life. I grew up partially in Austin. And so when I was like 13 or 14, we would go into Whole Foods. It was a tiny little co-op. It was not the Whole Foods, you know, today. <laughs> yeah. And so just, I've been super familiar with Whole Foods my whole life. And so um, I would walk through Whole Foods and go, there's a need here for disruption. Like everything I'm seeing, it might be in a nice bottle or this or that, but the ingredient, the base ingredients and the additives are all the same. And so I think being driven, um, I was a professional in business development and in business development, you're kind of tasked with a goal and a margin goal and then, you know, a top line goal. And you're kind of set out on your way to figure it out. And so I was having to figure out things for other people. And I thought, why don't I pair my passion with the drive that I'm, you know, exhibiting for others Mm -hmm. and pull pull that together and actually create my own business. Um, If I'm going to work this hard, I want to do it for myself. That's amazing. From after you decided, okay, this is going to be a business and this is how, you know, you're going to take this on. How did you go about selling your first, first item? So, yes, that was um, interesting. Um, The first item was sold in farmer's market here in Houston, Texas. And so I was working full-time, also a mom. And then, uh, making almond milks at night and on the weekends and then spending all weekend at the farmer's market, you know, lugging huge ice chests full of um, milk. And so the first farmer's market, um, I remember going and pitching to the farmer's market, like this is, you know, this is what I want to do and this is why, and this is the need. And they were, they bought in on it. They're like, yeah, okay. But um And it's kind of a big deal to get into that farmer's market here in Houston. You do have to go pitch and it's like your first kind of entry into like understanding what you need to do. And the first farmer's market, um, 
this this was a family venture. I I pulled in a couple of family members to um, help being a mom, a professional working mom. I needed all the help I could get. And so the family was there and we're all, you know, sampling the milks. And this woman goes, wow, this is amazing. Like, where can I buy it? And I said, well, you can buy it here. This is our first farmer's market. And she goes, well, I mean, but what if I can't make it to the farmer's market? Where else can I buy it? And I said, well, this was in June of 2014. And I said, well, you know, you can buy it here, but by the end of the year, we'll be in grocers. And my mom was standing next to me. And I remember the look, like she just like looked over at me like, <laughs> okay, you literally have ice chests full of glass bottles of almond milk that you made in the commercial kitchen <laughs> over the weekend. How's that going to happen? You know, but I just had this faith. I knew that there was need for disruption. And so I just kept putting it out there, like from the first farmer's market and the adoption was immediate. People started reserving bottles through Facebook, like emailing and saying, you know, I would like to reserve three bottles, please don't sell out, you know? And so just like that, the knowing that there was need for disruption, the immediate adoption and people really going, you know, super nuts for it, actually going crazy <laughs> for it, that it really um, solidified that it was going in the right direction. How did, so coming from, so you're obviously from the business development background, but getting into retail and grocery is um, a very interesting thing and it's not um, very easy and it's, it's costly as well. So how did you take, take that first leap of faith? Did you have investors by then? Um, how did, how were you able to get into retail? Um, no, we did not have investors initially. Um, at, in 2014, there was a program and there, it still exists today um, within Whole Foods in particular, the local program. And so they really embraced local producers of products. And so I met with the local um, forager and just kind of pitched it to her and she immediately latched onto it. And so it was a really good way to organically grow. Um, starting in like one Houston store and then kind of spreading out through Texas. And it, we were doing self-delivery. It was very much like a all hands on, you know, production through to delivery. Um, and so that was an easy way. Well, not an easy way. None of this is easy. Never mind. <laughs> Forget, <laughs> let's scratch that. But that was a more kind of organic way to get going. Once you get into distributors and then pitching multiple regions and pitching national um, distribution, it's a completely different story. And I don't know how much of that kind of local like support there is these days. You know, I think it's it's a little bit harder to support. There's so many different brands that are trying to launch. But for us, it was a really great way to get started. That's amazing. And you, how many co-founders do you have? Well, um, technically there's three. Um, so like I said, um, I brought in family early on um, yep. because we were making, making these products alone. Um, and so my brother and my cousin, and then my mom was an early founder and actually, um, our director of marketing that recently went on to other th things. She, she started at the farmer's market as well. So, so what have you learned by working with people that are so close to you? It is a, it's a challenge, you know, um, initially it's fantastic. And 
But I think as you start to grow and the business evolves, it can be quite challenging. Um, but I mean, if you've been in any business at all, it can be a challenge. We're all individuals and very unique. And so I think that it's easy to go, well, family businesses are hard, but you know, businesses are hard. It's hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, Can you take us through a moment that was challenging for you? Like one of the most challenging, you know, maybe you thought, okay, this isn't going to work. I don't know if this is going to work anymore. Was there anything like that and how you overcame that and still pushed through? Sure. I mean, there were several, there were absolutely like several major, major hurdles. Um, starting with, you know, being thrilled to be so readily adopted by grocers, right? It, it was a very early adoption and immediate almost. Like, like I was saying earlier, we were in the local um, program within Whole Foods and the day that they entered Malk into the system to be ordered, like grocery stores could actually order. It wasn't going through a distributor. They would place the order directly with us. Um, I had been given very specific directions by them. Like we're going to open up one Houston store. You have to be in that store for, I don't know, 60 days. And then if you want to move to another store, you can go and individually sell in. But it was like a very, this was going to be very slow. So the day that they entered the system, um, I got an order from Dallas and I was like, what do I do? Like, I was like crazy. And so I tried to track people down within the organization and it was Whole Foods and I couldn't get anyone on the phone. So I finally just called the number on the purchase order. And I said, how did you get, how do you know about Malk? I'm so excited, but like, we're supposed to only be selling into Whole Foods in Houston and really specific instructions. And the guy said, well, people have been coming in asking for it. And I just looked it up and it was there. So I placed an order and that was the first day. So that feeling of like, oh, the, the adoption is there and we're just going to fly through this was amazing. And then, you know, about six months later, some competition started to rise up and that competition was connected in the grocery business in ways that, that I personally was not or anyone in my family and very similar marketing, very similar recipe with some tweaks that made it not quite as premium and, and good for you but it was a huge challenge. It was a major setback because the connections ran so deep, you know? And so at that point in time, I really thought this is probably not gonna happen. They're gonna wipe us out. Um, at a lower price point, same similar size bottle, just really very much looked and felt the same way. When you tasted it, it tasted a little different, but for all intents and purposes for a consumer, you have like five seconds to capture them. And if they see that at a small, at a lower price point, what's going to happen, you know? So that was a really knock, knock you off your feet kind of moment. Um, obviously persevered through that, but I really was concerned, um, very concerned for quite a while. So, so how did you get past that? Like um, uh, during that moment? Complete persevere, like just <laughs> constant, hustle and drive and blinders really because like I said for probably I don't know two weeks I thought I'll never smile again like it was that <laughs> devastating like I couldn't believe it and then <clears throat> just 
said, no, forget this. I'll figure out a way, you know, I'm going to figure out a way. And went, you know, the team just went region by region to grocers and just sold in and said like, this is, this is who we are and this is why it's important. And really had to go about it the hard and longer way. Um, but it ended up working out in the end, you know, yeah. it was, it was a struggle though. I'll yeah. tell you. I guess as a woman entrepreneur, you're, you're managing multiple things, right? Your family and your business. And obviously this business idea came from your family in general, and you have a lot of family within the business as well, but how has that been for you managing all aspects of your life? It's just, it's tough, you know, and I'm actually transitioning right now and into, um, and have hired um, a CEO to take Malk to the next level. Um, seven years is a really long time and having the family, everyone kind of 100% focused on it. And then, you know, my son is now 12 years old. And so his seven years of his life have been really monopolized and very much centered around Malk. I mean, he's gone to Expo West. I don't know if you know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's, yeah. he's gone to Expo West several times. He knows everything about brands. He's got his favorites. He knows who they are. He talks to them. They send him, you know, t-shirts and Aww. all that good stuff. So for me, I kind of pulled everyone in so that the amount of time that was being spent on the business um, I at least was still able to be a huge presence for my son, but I think it grows to the point that number one, when you are passionate about it and you are kind of the innovator, you get to a phase where hopefully you recognize, you know, there's either challenges that come up where you're just like, this is the last challenge I can actually like you know, overcome at this point in time, I need a break. I, I haven't literally had a vacation that's not centered around Malk for seven years, literally, you know? And so it's beneficial to bring your family in and to have everyone be a part. If you're going to be this focused on something, you mm -hmm. almost have to, if you're a mom, you know, um, and, or a dad for that matter, but I'm, I'm speaking from a woman entrepreneur perspective. Yeah. So, so as a mom, it, that was really important to me at the same time, people need a break. Your family needs a break after a while, you know, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. So how, how was making that decision? So you, you mentioned how, you know, you're hired a CEO for milk, right? And this is your baby. You founded it. This is your idea, this, and you've grown it so much. And I'm pretty sure the decision's never easy, right? <laughs> um, but how how did anything trigger this decision? And how can you take us through that process of how you made this decision? The idea started sprouting long before it actually came to fruition, just internally within me. Um, and it's not everyone's story, you know, but I would say the category that Malk is in, in plant-based milk or dairy or however you want to refer to it, it's somewhat commoditized. It's competitive. It's, it, it's really a, a struggle. Like it's very, very difficult, you know? And so seven years in that is probably like 
double, like 14 years in, in a kinder, I guess, not so competitive space. So probably some, sometime in 2019, I really started to recognize, like, I don't, I have a lot to offer and I have learned so incredibly much, but to take this business to the next level, it kind of needs a fresh set of eyes, no matter if it's my baby or not. Like when you have a child, your child eventually is going to go to college, right? Or hopefully, and hopefully get married one day and, or if that's, you know, whatever, or have children or whatever the progression is, they're not going to live in your home forever, you know? And so I think having that perspective and kind of correlating it to the business, because this is my second baby. I only have one child. Um, and this was my second child and we didn't have other children because of this business, basically, you know? And so, but looking at it from that perspective is like, do you want, you know, your legacy to be a positive one or do you want to be stubborn about it and with the burnout that you get, keep trying to push through? And I think that really the smartest decision that I could make um, was to kind of start to step aside and look at other things and allow fresh faces to come in and look at it from a fresh, fresh perspective. It's always my baby and it will never not. I mean, it's a part of me, you know, and, but sometimes the best thing you can do is kind of hand over the reins. I think, I mean, I'm hoping. Yeah. (laughs) We'll see. It's very new. (laughs) Um, and I want to go back on this concept that you were saying about burnout, right? This is a real thing for any entrepreneur, right? Um, you're working, you're wearing a lot of hats. Um, you're working a lot and you're usually most entrepreneurs are very passionate about what they're doing, but at a certain point there is this burnout and it's, how do you get past that burnout? So what did, what, what did, what did you do and what techniques if there were any that you used to overcome that, because it's been seven years and I'm pretty sure there was burnouts throughout your entire journey. So how did you Absolutely. overcome that? I mean, I came from a base um, and when I started Malk, I was on kind of somewhat of a healing journey. I was actually studying to be a healer, which is completely abstract of like the business acumen <laughs> that I've, uh, you know, developed over the years. but it was more of a centered place and more meditative and more conscious. And that's kind of where Malk sprouted up was I, that's where I found the energy to do that. And, um, throughout different phases of the business, I mean, we have some, I have crazy stories I can tell you about (laughs) launches where we worked at our facility for three weeks straight and I barely came home like crazy stuff. So throughout the, through over the years, it's been, there's been so many challenges that I can't even rack them all up. Um, but having that center of, you know, meditative space and coming from a healing journey and all of that good stuff really did help. What ended up happening with me is I got to a place where the challenges um, in growth just became so much with COVID especially that I couldn't get back to that center place. Like I just could not get there. I was, I was really holding it up for the team and for the production staff and and trying to be my best for everyone. But the impact of running a business for six years and then having a year like COVID um, which we're still in obviously, but the major impact was 2020 for me in particular. Um, 
it was just, I couldn't find that place again. You know, the, the things that I used to do like yoga and meditation and, um, you know, self-care, which is really worn out and used as a phrase and a topic a little too much. I think everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, self-care, whatever, but it's so important, right? Like if you don't take care of yourself, you truly cannot continue on. And I got to a place where I definitely was not taking care of myself. And so it, it caught up to me. What was the impact of COVID on Malk in specific? And I know you were saying that, you know, obviously impacted you personally, but how did it impact the team as well? You know, um, so Malk has in-house production um, of products, so in-house manufacturing, which is a whole other set of challenges, right? Like that, we could talk all day about that, <laughs> but so we in-house manufacture product, or Malk does, and um, Copax um, product as well. But the bulk of the business is in in-house manufacturing. And so that adds a whole level of challenge and stress that folks who have outsourced their manufacturing never have to deal with, you know? And yeah. um, from that perspective, just worrying about the supply chain and delivery, worrying about the health and safety of the you know, production employees, the mental health of the production employees. It was really difficult, believe it or not, it was a blessing, but such a challenge to go into work every day when the whole country was at home. Like that in itself was just like, this is so weird. There's no one on the yeah. street. We have to keep going to work. We produce food. And in order to keep the business going, you know, and so establishing you know, health guidelines for the production and staff, having a testing routine. It went early on, testing was really difficult to um, secure. And so I've spent a lot of time on the phone talking to clinics and getting blocks of testing done. And so it was just, it added three new jobs to what was already 20 million jobs. <laughs> it's really yeah. difficult. And so from just that perspective, it was very challenging and tough emotionally and physically and everything else. And then you start to add in the challenges of distribution during that time. Um, our product wasn't distributed for a few weeks. So how, how do you go to your board of directors and go, we had a really huge year planned and now our product is not even on trucks, you know, like it's yeah. not even moving. And then, um, you know, grocery stores rely heavily on bodies to stock the shelves and to reset categories. Like whenever they're adding new products, they have to completely shift the whole shelf space and all that stuff. And a lot of that was not happening and was pushed. And at some point, some of our biggest growth opportunities, we were hearing it might be 2022 before we're back in stores. Um, and so if you can even imagine any challenge that can come up, it was brought to the table last year. Wow. We'd love to hear from you. Follow us on social media at Ellen Accounting and visit us or contact me directly at ellenaccountingcpa.com and subscribe to Then What Podcast on Apple Podcasts Spotify, and wherever you find the best podcasts.
Are you looking for financial advice or an outsourced CFO, or maybe just help with your books or financials? Well, let's talk. As a listener of the podcast, I want to offer you a free consultation call with me. Go on our website at lnaccountingcpa.com and book a call with me today. Again, that's lnaccountingcpa.com. When you reach out, please make sure to mention this podcast. I look forward to hearing from you. How do you keep the business from taking on a life of its own and getting away from your vision or your sense of mission? I mean, I think it happens, right? Um, Everyone involved has their own stuff going on, you know, personally, and everyone evolves in a different way and there's egos at play. And so trying to keep your hands on all of like around all of that and keeping people motivated and understanding the challenges and keeping the mission in place and the message in place. It's, I mean, it's tough, right? Like, it's, yeah. in terms of, you know, the product, simple ingredients. Um, and so the kind of message has always remained the same, but the energy behind it sometimes wavers, you know? Yeah. Have you ever felt like you were asked to compromise on, you know, the ingredients or the quality? I don't know that ever asked to, but different levers or, you know, different consumer push and pull maybe nudges you in that direction, whether Mm -hmm. that's a price point or, you know, the core line of malt was very volatile because it's, um, it's a close to the closest thing you could get to like a raw type of a product. So Mm -hmm. if a truck goes out of temperature, you can have a spoiled bottle or, you know, it's really like old school milk, dairy milk. And so the challenge of managing all of that across the country in Canada is that was really difficult. And so the idea to kind of start to shift into a different type of process has been um, something that is almost better you know what I'm saying and as long as the ingredients remain intact and I think that there's also a shift organic is amazing and that's you know our philosophy in our own home but also you can get ingredients that are grown almost to a better standard than organic that aren't necessarily certified organic and so kind of evaluating all that and how to message that to consumers so they understand it and go like this is actually better or it's equivalent but we can offer a better price point there's all these things to consider and so um I don't think I've ever been really pushed from sources other than push to kind of look at what is smart for everyone you know for the business and the consumer nice what kind of things have you had to learn as you kept advancing the business? Like new challenge means new technology, new skills, new needs. So what have you had to learn to keep moving the business forward? I think, um, you know, really being nimble and able to pivot really quickly and innovate quickly has been um, really key and important um, to staying relevant and as the 
category that Malka is in has become a lot more competitive. Understanding what consumers are looking for and quick innovation. Um, and that's not an easy thing to accomplish. Yeah. And I will say that the team at Malk has been very good <laughs> at acting and reacting very quickly. Do you feel like there's an instance um, that if you were to go back in time during your business that you would change or a situation or react differently to something? A million things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but I think that understanding early on in this business, um, and this kind of goes back to a question we covered earlier is, you know, it's a pretty complex sale and selling cycle. And there are a lot of different starting as a local provider and producer, you know, and delivering on your own um, and self-delivery, you really need to understand all of the different mechanisms that are going to be pulling at your business and consumer packaged goods. If you're distributed, there are layers and layers of costs. Um, it's not just about distribution either. Once you get to the store, what are the costs at the store? What are the promotional costs? What are the um, advertising costs that the stores would like to see? How are how is your product going to get from you know if it's in the cooler from the back of the cooler to the shelf? Is it going to get there fast enough? Do you need to have merchandisers? There are layers upon layers of complexities with the business, and so I think that from my perspective, I kind of thought, um, you know, we can manage it early on. I wish that I had hired someone from the industry, which is really difficult to do is to find the right team, you know, team members that had that level of experience that could have helped circumvent just some major challenges around those pieces, the, the distributor billbacks and the, you know, layers of complexity of like yeah. brokers and merchandisers and this and that. There's a lot. It's a lot more than what you recognize if you're not coming from the industry. Did it ever scare you? Like, you know, just being on my side, I know that food and beverage is honestly, even within the consumer packaged goods industry, food and beverage is the hardest to make profits on, right? Because you're selling to distributors. You're not, you like, you start off with not even having as high margins as other, you know, cosmetics or skincare or beauty brands compared to, you know, compared to them. But did it ever scare you or did it ever, you know, stop you from trying to progress or move forward within your business, knowing what, you know, about the industry in general? I very naively um, pushed forward believing that there was a way to make that work. And this kind of goes back to, it's, I think it's really important for young businesses to invest, whether it is a, an outside resource early on, or if you're able to afford an internal resource in a very, very good CFO function, because, um, it's the most important thing with this type of a business. There's just too many different um, hands in in the in the pocket. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know. So I think that if I had any um, advice to any young entrepreneurs that are looking to get into food and beverage, it's save up your funds and either find an external resource that is 
really highly recommended and understands, you know, get the references, right? Or if you're hiring someone um, on your team, really do your diligence and, and make sure that they understand the things that you don't. Yeah. If you could go back and talk to your younger self, what would you, what would you tell them? What advice would you give them and what suggestions? Um, I would say you have to go into this fearless because the challenges will surmount. And if you don't have a fearless attitude and really push forward, especially well, always, um, it's too hard, right? Like you have to have that kind of an attitude. And so specifics, I think there are so many things um, that can really derail the business. And I would say, I'm going to go back to the finance function. I think that's really the most, that's the key area where things can go sideways. And I would say, find a good advisor. Um, save up some money, hire someone if you have to, that's been there, done that, and ask about the mistakes that they've made or the challenges that they have um, encountered versus how successful they are. Because the big wins and the success last half a second and you have to move on to the next big win and the next success but the challenges can stick around for a really long time and the mistakes stick around a lot longer. Yeah. So why do you think that's so important to invest in the finance function and make sure that they're well knowledgeable in, within the industry? Like I said earlier, I mean, I think, and, and I'm sure that, you know, this, this industry is very complex in terms of the finance piece. Um, you can have five different, auditors look at the same information and interpret it differently because there are so many hands in the pot. And so I just can't stress enough that I feel that that is an area that if you have that under control as an entrepreneur and the person with the passion, you should be able to sell your product. That's if, if you don't know how to sell and you're not passionate enough about it to convince people that it's worthwhile, you need to kind of evaluate where you're at. Yeah. But um, so you should be able to get out and do some of the front facing stuff, especially initially, um, you need the back of the house really tidy. Any, any final thoughts or what's the single best piece of wisdom you'd like our listeners to come away with? Don't be afraid, but be aware. I, I mean, and in, in every way, shape or form. So now what's next for you, August? now that you're moving away from milk, what's your yeah, next thing? I mean, it will always be my baby and I, I hopefully will always have, you know, a connection to milk and I'm, I'm working with the new team now. Um, but I am going out on my own and I am really eager to help other entrepreneurs, specifically women entrepreneurs. Um, you know, it's such a challenge to start your own business. And it's such a challenge to get over hurdles. And I have been there and I have really experienced some interesting things. And I would love to help people learn without, you know, stumbling over those blocks. Um, and so that's, that's really what I'm going to push for. I've, I've started um, a consulting practice called Mothly. And I chose Mothly because moths 
um, fly towards the light. And so we're always wanting to go towards the light. And uh, they are a symbol of rebirth and just kind of new starts. And I think that as an entrepreneur, you have to, every day is a new, a new start, you know, and you have to look at it from that attitude. And so what's next for me is hopefully helping a lot of uh, next generation uh, entrepreneurs. How can um, we find you and how can um, the listeners also find uh, Malk as well? Sure. Um, so Malk is everywhere in terms of social media. So on Twitter, it's Malk Organics, um, MalkOrganics.com, uh, uh, Instagram, Malk Organics, Facebook, Malk Organics. That's there. Um, you can find me. I'm at Manifesting Malk on Instagram, August Vega on LinkedIn, and uh, consulting is MothlySolutions.com. Perfect. Thank you. It was a pleasure having you. It's so great talking with you. um, And I appreciate it so much. Of course. To know August is to know passion. Despite sacrificing so much to build her dream over 12 challenging years, she still handed over the reins of Malk Organics to give it the best chance at a long, meaningful life. When you're at a defining moment in your business, it is not the then what kind of moments that define you. It is how you face and meet such moments that shows who you really are, what your business can be, and what can come next. I'm Lahari Neil Peretti. See you next time. Then What is produced by Ellen Accounting Advisor in partnership with Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2021. The views and opinions expressed are those of the individuals on this podcast and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Ellen Accounting Advisor or Mouth Media Network. No portion of this program should be considered financial advice or consultation. Thank you for listening.